Welcome to Is This Working, a podcast about the messy parts of work with me, Anna Codriarado. And me, Tiffany Philippou. This week, we're talking about self-sabotage. And we are joined to talk about that by the brilliant Africa Brook, who is a London-based mindset coach, motivational speaker and entrepreneur who is on a mission to help highly committed women move away from self-sabotage so that they can confidently create the life and business they truly want. We're really excited to have Africa on the show. I've been following her for quite a while now on her Instagram account, which is, um, I think it's how kind of quite a lot of people find Africa's content. And she posts really inspirational videos and posts on there about a whole range of things all to do with our beliefs and our mindset and the the sort of the stories we tell ourselves that hold us back. So I'm just very, very honored to have her on the show to be talking about all these things because I know that it's a subject that we often come back to on this podcast. And so to, to have someone who is kind of trained in mindset coaching, come on and chat about this was really fab. We're trying a new thing this week where one of us interviews a guest. So that will be me, but do not worry. Anna will be back at the end to give her key takeaways from the conversation. And in this conversation, we talk about overcoming imposter syndrome, the real reasons we hold ourselves back. And Africa gives us some really practical tools we can use to change our mindset so that we can really enjoy our successes and achieve our ambitions. On with the show. Do you want more tools to improve your working life? Then join Is This Working on Patreon, the community platform for supporting creators like us. Support us on Patreon and you'll get perks, including a weekly reading list from us packed with things that will make your working life better. Find us at patreon.com slash is this working show. Africa, welcome to the show. Um, no, thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this conversation and I had a chance to listen to your most recent episode on burnout, right? That was the most recent one. Yeah, yeah. And I absolutely loved it. It's one of my favorite conversations for many reasons from experience. But um, yeah, I was just so excited to talk to you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Great. Well, we're also really excited to speak to you today. Um, Anna and I, huge fans of your content. And I certainly feel like your Instagram is a real breath of fresh air. And I'm really excited to get into some of the brilliant advice and tips that you have that can certainly help our listeners change their mindset to achieve their ambitions. So (laughs) let's get into it. Um, So first of all, tell us what a mindset coach is. Okay, so mindset coaching is kind of as the name suggests, it's all about the mindset. So exactly what I do is that I help people to pretty much rewire their way of thinking so that they can align with success. So whether that is personal success, so let's say you want to be able to have more confidence in your romantic relationships or your platonic relationships, 
or the relationship that you have with yourself or if it's in a professional way maybe you want to find the kind of um you want to feel more sure about leaving a certain career so that you can maybe go into self-employment or you want to be able to ask for a raise or you're in business already but you want to make a certain amount of money but because of your mindset you won't allow yourself to actually get there so i do a lot of things around business and career and entrepreneurship but i do also work with um people that are kind of in the public eye that are experiencing success but they are dealing with huge amounts of imposter syndrome or not actually being able to enjoy the success they're having because maybe they feel like they don't deserve it. So it's really about rewiring your way of thinking, essentially. Love it. So before we delve a bit more into how people can learn to enjoy their success, could we just mm. ask about your personal journey to becoming a coach and your interest in self-development? Because it started with a commitment to sobriety. Can you tell us a bit more about yes. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So my journey into this world, if you will, started nearly four years ago when I decided to get sober. But this wasn't the first time that I knew that I needed to get sober. It was the seventh time, seventh time. Actually, this was the eighth time I had tried to get sober seven times beforehand, but I relapsed every single time. So alcohol was kind of my problem area. I was a binge drinker and a blackout drinker. I didn't know you know, this idea that you can have one drink was just insane, insane to me. I'm still yet to meet uh, someone that can have just one drink. But anyway, um, that was kind of what my life was for about a decade until I was 24. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to give this one more try. Um, and then I went onto the internet. And the reason I went onto the internet was because in my personal life, I didn't know anyone who was sober. I felt a lot of shame around actually um, addressing the truth of what I was experiencing. So I went online. I went online and I started using Instagram, which I still use to this very day. I started using Instagram as kind of a journal to just share my story of what I had been through. Um, and I had no intention of building a global community. I had no intention of diving into the world of self-development. I had no fucking idea what a coach even was outside of sports. Um, I was just sharing to tell my story, that was it. And then after sharing very consistently for about, I would say six months around that time, I just started getting a lot of people sending me DMs to kind of help them with their sobriety journey. And because alongside me sharing my story I was also reading a lot I've always been someone that reads but I started finding out about just how the mind works because I realized there was so much more to it than just alcohol and um, there was so much more to it than me just stopping drinking that there, there must have been something more so I started to learn about kind of neural pathways um programming societal programming I started to learn just about the fact that if you can change your way of thinking, you can change so much in your life. And I realized the reason I was able to stay sober for that long at the time it was six months, six months, which was the longest time, was because my way of thinking had changed. 
So I just fully immersed myself in that world of finding out more about the brain, about the mind, um, about energy work. And I would just share it in that same space. So a lot of people were sending me DMs to just ask more questions, to um, ask me specific questions about what they were experiencing and did I have any advice. And at the time I would just kind of give advice in my DMs. And I remember a few people started asking me, um, do you do personal coaching? And I had no idea what that was, as I said, but it started to become a pretty regular thing. Um, and then it was probably around that time I came across an incredible woman called Lisa Nichols. She's a speaker, she's an entrepreneur, she is a personal coach. And just her way of storytelling and being able to have this really powerful perspective, even though she had, you know, what some might say, a very messy past. Um, I just thought that was incredible. And I resonated with that so much. So I knew that there was something there in the way that I share my voice and in the way that I speak, in the way that I can engage with people. And I just started exploring the world of coaching outside of social media. I just started doing it privately. And then about a year and a half ago is when I decided to go all in and to leave my full-time job. I was working in advertising um, at the time. And then I was like, you know what? It's, it's time to fully focus onto this. There really is something here. And with no kind of past formal experience or anything like that I said yes to a first client and yeah the rest is kind of history if you will and I've been coaching ever since wonderful and tell us what do you love about coaching what do I love about coaching I love the fact that it allows people to have a different perspective. I think most of the time we, especially because people reach out to me because they're struggling with something, again, whether it's personal or professional, they are really struggling with something and they feel like they are at a dead end. They can't see any options um, or they don't feel like they deserve options, right? And I get to be that person that guides them through that process. And I'm not giving them anything that is completely new. I'm leading them to something they already know. I'm uncovering something within them that they already have. And for me, that is so powerful. That is so powerful. So the transformation that I'm able to offer someone is so powerful. And also the money that I get to make, that's fucking incredible as well. So that's that's always good. That's always good. The fact that I get to decide how much I earn. If I decide that within the next six months, I want to make 200,000 pounds, I can absolutely do it. I don't have to walk into someone's office and kind of plead my case. I can decide that, you know what, I am worth this much. My skills are worth this much. This is how much impact I'm making onto people. And this is the value that's going to match that. So I, I like the financial freedom that it, it allows me to have as well. That's one of the things that Anna and I really are look to you about because we both like mm. to talk about money on this podcast and it's always such a high emotion and difficult subject for people. Mm. And you're someone who doesn't apologize the fact you work at a premium level and you mm -hmm. call yourself a high-end coach. And how did you get to that point? Or have you always had that confidence around your worth and money? Mm. Oh my goodness, no, <laughs> I didn't have that confidence always at all. I remember about two years ago, 
I was struggling to charge seven to five pounds for, um, for speaking because speaking was one of the first things that I really started to get booked for. Um, and it would be to kind of go onto panels or to do talks, to share my sobriety story. And I would just do it for free in the beginning. A lot of the things that I did, I would do it for free. And the reason for that is because, and maybe a lot of people listening can resonate is that when something comes so naturally to you and when something is intuitive and when something is easy, whether you're a speaker, whether you're a writer, you're a creator, whatever it is you do, there's always a little bit of internal conflict when money comes into it because we feel like, but this is easy. How, how do I charge for this? Should I be charging for this? And if you're lucky enough to inhabit the body of a woman or a feminine person, we have been socialized to believe that we need to give, 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 give. Um, so I was very much in that place in the very beginning of me starting to get kind of um, notice for what I do and how I use my voice. But very soon after, I started to feel so burnt out, which is why I resonated with the episode that you guys did, because I was giving so much and getting nothing in return. I was giving so much and maybe I would gain a little bit of a following, you know, maybe I would be invited onto another podcast, but in terms of anything that was actually sustainable, I nothing was happening. The bills carried on happening, but nothing else was happening in terms of me having something tangible to be like, yes, this is how everything I'm putting out is showing up for me. Um, so through burnout and me starting to feel resentful, which, <laughs> which is another thing that happens when there's no equal exchange, when you're giving so much, you do get resentful, whether you want to admit it or not. Um, I realized that something had changed and that something was money. For me, that something was, was money. So I started listening to people um, like online mentors and people who spoke about money in a very empowering way. And it made me very uncomfortable to begin with because we're told that we shouldn't like money. We especially should not love money, apparently, um, and we shouldn't speak about it. But I was starting to tune into people and I would highly recommend um, getting a book or listening to the work of Jen Sincero. She wrote, you are a badass at making money. That was one of the first books that I read and I started following her work. And she was also a coach and she was speaking in a way that I had never heard before. So very early on in my coaching journey, I realized, you know what? I'm not going to be the cheapest fucking coach. I'm not going to be um, someone who apologizes for my prices, even if I feel nervous I'm, I'm not going to be that person so I stood in that in that plane of thought very very early on um, and it's helped me so much it means that I can work with fewer clients and still make incredible amounts of money and it means that the free content that I put out I can still put so much value into it because I'm not feeling fucking resentful so it's it's amazing it's amazing it works it works well for everyone my clients and for me as well. Yeah, because it's never actually about money. It's about what you can do with that money and it allows yes. you to have that freedom to give back. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? That's something that I always say um, is that it's, it's about the options. For me, money means options. For me, money means I have time freedom, 
right? It also means that I have choice. And I think choice is such a beautiful thing. And as long as you live on planet Earth in modern day society in 2020, to believe that you don't need money is a very, I, I mean, it doesn't make sense. We think about money every single day, every single day, whether you realize it or not, whether it's a conscious thought or whether it's subconscious, right? We think about money every single day. We're surrounded by it, right? If you look around you, everything that's around you and on your body exists because of money in some way. There are things that you are not able to do because you don't have the money to do it. There are things that you've been able to do because of money. So I think healing our emotional relationship with it is so important. Whether you are an entrepreneur or whether you are a freelancer or whether you are in a nine to five job or you do shift work, knowing and understanding what your emotional relationship with money is, is so fucking important. It really is. Yeah, we completely wholeheartedly agree about the importance of it. And I also think mm. as a motivator, it, it's I think it's a really great motivator as well in yes. your work because it actually forces you to up your game. If you have to make money, you have to create something or speak to your customers and create yes. real value. So I actually think there's a way it can be a really powerful motivator as well. I agree. I agree for sure. For sure. And I think we should be okay with saying that as well. Yeah. So now we know money, money, but let's delve a bit <laughs> in more. <laughs> we are with you on that one. Let's delve a little bit more about um, what are the most frequent struggles that you see your clients have that are holding them back? Mm -hmm. So I specialize in self-sabotage, right? So self-sabotage is a very broad kind of area in psychology in itself because a lot of things fall under that. So some of the most common things are procrastination, right? Always, always procrastination and perfectionism. This idea that, you know, everything needs to be done at a very, very impossibly high standard, which means that a lot of people don't actually start certain things because they feel like, you know, uh, they're not qualified enough or they just need to get a few more certificates or a few more degrees before they can start, which means most of the time they never actually do. Or it means that people um, will do something once and if they don't get the roaring results that they expect, they quickly give up. They don't actually give themselves a chance to, to tweak things, to shift anything. Um, so perfectionism is usually a very big one because I work with people that tend to be high achievers and ambitious in some kind of way. Um, so procrastination, perfectionism, not feeling deserving, right? This idea that um, I'm not deserving of anything good, I'm not good enough. And these are people that externally seem very successful. They have the jobs that they want to have. They, you know, have finally managed to break into that space that they've always wanted to get into. But because internally and on a mindset, mindset level, um, they don't feel like they're good enough. They don't feel like they're deserving. So that's a big one. And then I would say uh, imposter syndrome is another big one as well. So the idea that um, everyone's going to find out that I'm a fraud, everyone's going to find out that I'm not experienced enough or that I'm not actually qualified for this position um, and just always feeling like you're going to be found out. So I would say those, those four are the most common. And with regards to imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. um, 
I've I noticed that you talk about how fake it till you make it isn't necessarily the right way to well well don't know how to phrase it but you talk about fake it to make till you make it isn't necessarily the right path to go down mm-hmm. um what do you say to people about imposter syndromes I think it's such a universal experience yeah I gosh imposter syndrome it's one of those things that it's yeah so you know what I'll go back a little bit to what you to what you just said so with the fake it till you make it thing I think it's complete bullshit that's what I think I think it's a short-term solution that is not actually sustainable I think um of course it, it, it does make sense and we all do it in moments where in a brief moment we'll kind of play um we'll play up to something right we'll kind of um maybe you pretend we're more capable. That's what it is. It's pretending. It's pretending essentially. And yes, it can work in specific situations, but it's not a long-term solution. So I'm a big believer in actually working at things on a more foundational level, as in building a, a real foundation for something, because if faking it till you make it was actually something that worked, I don't think we would really feel things like, um, imposter syndrome as much as we do, because we would be more focused on finding out why do I feel uncomfortable in these spaces, right? How can I actually harness the real confidence that I need within myself? What beliefs do I hold about myself? Because that means I need to shift those beliefs. Whereas if we just fake it till we make it, we're just putting a fucking plaster on top of everything and just hoping it will work itself out, which is why then you get people that are in very high positions, who are which are people that I work with, but they still feel like they're going to be found out at any moment because they never really took the time to find out what their insecurities really were. They never took the time to harness maybe the other skills that they need outside of the hard skills. So I think fake it till you make it is, I, I don't even know where that really comes from. I, I think we also say a lot of things that we, we don't question, we don't say to ourselves, where did that actually come from? And does this really work? Um, so yes, that, that's what I think about fake it till you make it. And in terms of imposter syndrome, I think what's something that I say to people, I think imposter syndrome is a really complicated thing because I think there's also something there about representation. Because for example, if I am a a black woman that works in a predominantly white company, which is, I'm telling my own story here, working in advertising, where I'm one of the very few black people and I'm around certain tables and we're having certain discussions, it can be very easy for me to start feeling um, othered in some kind of way or, or starting to question, why am I really here? Am I here because I'm very good and competent at what I do or am I here just kind of as a splash of of diversity or am I so I think representation can also be one of the reasons why a lot of people feel like imposters whether it's women whether it's people of color whether it's um non-binary people trans people so I think um there's an element of that as well but One of the main things is that we really dismiss just how capable we are. We don't acknowledge ourselves for the experience that we have. We tend to think that um, it's we've got here by accident somehow or that somehow they made a mistake and they picked us. And 
I think that's where a lot of people are, which again, it's about really getting to the core of that and asking yourself, why do I feel these things? What do I believe about my capabilities? Do I believe that I'm not worthy of this position? And because I believe that, I'm starting to feel like, oh my goodness, other people are going to find out that I'm not worthy. So there's a lot there about beliefs, which is why I always, um, I always, especially when I work with people, we will always work on your beliefs first and foremost, because they pretty much inform everything. But the thing is, we live in a world where people just want a strategy, where people just want a five steps, where people just want a practical solution, when actually that is rarely as sustainable as actually getting to the root of something. Um, so yeah, I would say imposter syndrome is such a layered thing. There's no kind of one answer or one definition of saying, oh, this is what it is and where it comes from. I think it shows up in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just kind of an, uh, an overview of how I see it show up for people that I work with. Got it. Well, let's take a quick break there. And when we get back, we're going to talk a bit more about ditching negative self-talk. Okay. Do you want more tools to improve your working life? Then join Is This Working on Patreon the community platform for supporting creators like us. Support us on Patreon and you'll get perks, including a weekly reading list from us packed with things that will make your working life better. Find us at patreon.com forward slash is this working show. more about changing your mindset I spotted that you're like us are a fan of Gay Hendrix's book The Big Leap which (laughs) moment for appreciation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, which we talked about on the podcast before um, I think actually in our first ever episode that's how uh, much we love it but for those listeners who don't know um, it's a book about how we self-impose limits often subconsciously actually to hold ourselves back from achieving our dreams. And what I think is really interesting about the book as well is it's actually for people who've already quite successful, but they mm. stop themselves from sort of thing. Um, so do you believe that by changing mindset, you can, you can change what happens for you at that highly successful level? Yes, absolutely. 100%. And again, I think it's, um, when I speak about mindset, I also want to make it clear that there are outside factors, right? We do live in a certain society where there are systems in place that can actually stop you from reaching the levels that you really want to want to reach. So that's something that I always acknowledge in my work, but a lot can change when you change your mind, especially if you are um, someone that wants to reach a certain level of, let's say, career success or financial success, or any other kind of success, we tend to put these limits on ourselves because we feel like um, this is, it's almost like it's, it's the only permission that we'll give ourselves. And this shows up for me in, in my work and the things that I do as well. And I can give an example. When I first made my, 
when I made my first, let's say, really high five figures, I was like, okay, that's that's enough. That's enough. I don't need to, I don't need to make any more than that. And it wasn't a very conscious thing of being like, actually, this is all I need for right now. And I don't really need any more than that. It was more from a place of fear of feeling like this is the most that I'm allowed to make. Um, and any more than this, it's going to be too much. I'm going to have to work too hard. I won't have any time to myself. Um, I might have people that say they are my family crawling out of the woodwork. You know, I created all of these stories as to why I can't reach the level that I really wanted to reach. Um, and my coach calls it something incredible. She calls it a next level devil. And she says, this is when you reach your next level, you will always have to face that beast where you need to have those conversations with yourself because a lot of fear is going to come up. But I do think, this is why I think mindset really is the foundation of everything because you could have the most incredible strategy, you could have the most amazing team, but if your mindset is not supportive of what you say you want to do, you will always find yourself putting that limit on yourself or, or sabotaging your own success. And how can listeners go about ditching that negative self-talk? I would always bring it back to beliefs because that self-talk, that self-talk kind of, kind of just, it doesn't come out of nowhere, right? It's always attached to whatever you believe about yourself because your beliefs are going to inform your thoughts and then your thoughts are going to inform your feelings and then your feelings will inform your actions or the inaction, right? And then that is going to inform the results you get. So there's a process, right? So all of those things don't just kind of um, happen randomly, you know, it, it's a sequence. So I always say you have to start with your beliefs and I have a little process that I always share um, when it comes to beliefs. So the first thing that you want to do is to be very clear on what beliefs you have about yourself. Do you have a belief that says, I cannot be successful, I don't deserve to be successful, making money is bad, um, being a leader is wrong, what, whatever that is, whatever your beliefs look like, get very clear on them and write them down, okay? Write them down so you can actually see them because it's very difficult to um, change something if you don't acknowledge it. So the first thing you need to do is actually write down your beliefs. Second thing you need to do is to acknowledge that they are beliefs, not truths. Okay, so this is very, very, very important. Once you've written them down and you can see them for what they are, you need to acknowledge that they are beliefs, not truths. And then the third thing you need to do is to start getting a little bit creative and think of what new beliefs you want to hold about yourself. What new beliefs do you actually want to have? And this is not something that we think about ever, right? We, we are so clear on what we don't want. We are so clear on all, all the things that could go wrong, but we don't ever think about what we really do want. What, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What could go right? If you go for this thing, what could go right? So the third thing, you really, really have to start getting creative and think about what new beliefs you want to hold about yourself, okay? And then what you want to do after that is to be like, okay, so these are the new beliefs that I want to have about myself. 
um, maybe one of your new beliefs is something like, um, I deserve to make six figures in my business. Maybe that's maybe that's what you want to go with, okay? And again, this can look different for everyone. Doesn't have to be about money, doesn't have to be about anything like that. This has to be specific and personal and emotional to you, okay? So in that example of someone saying, okay, the new belief that I want to have is that I deserve to make six figures in my business. What you want to do after that is to say, okay, as the person that makes six figures in their business, what characteristics do I need to have, right? What characteristics do I need to harness? What qualities does that person have? What actions does that person take? And then you need to get very clear on all of that and don't miss out this work. This is usually the work that people don't want to fucking do. So make sure you do it because this is where you move out of faking it till you make it right into actually building a very sustainable framework right so ask yourself those questions qualities and actions and characteristics of that person that has that new belief what what does it actually look like and then you can start to incorporate those things into your daily life and they don't have to be huge they do not have to be huge but it just means you need to start taking actions that align with that new belief and that entire process will naturally help with your self-talk it doesn't mean that it's going to change overnight and that it's um it's a magic potion because none of this is this is about committing to shifting on a daily basis even in the smallest way maybe it just means that you're going to start having boundaries around what you say yes and no to Maybe you're going to decide that, you know what, in this new identity, I'm going to start saying no to things that lead me to burnout. I'm going to start saying no to things that pay me less than I actually do deserve. I am willing to gracefully decline to this because I know that it's going to help me align with this new belief. And naturally, that is going to help with your self-talk. So that's a, that's a very um, long way of saying it has to start with your beliefs. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing such a clear guided process that we can all go and do right away after this um, <laughs> after this, this episode. Um, I thank you so much. I think that's going to be so helpful for people who are listening. And I think also that key message is there really is no shortcut yeah. to answering these things. And, and sometimes, as you said earlier, people are always so keen for you know top five ways to overcome <laughs> procrastination. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whereas unfortunately it's, it's a bit more complicated than that. So yeah. yeah, thank you for making it so clear for people to do something that's quite, um, yeah, deep thought will take some time and, um, yeah. is an ongoing process. Um, but the other thing I really like what you say is around how words are like spells and how mm. they matter because mm-hmm. they form so much part of our identity. Because one of the things I've I'm beginning to notice more and more with people. So I'm just want to throw this theory. I don't think I've talked about it yet and see what you have to say about it. Mm-hmm. But I think people say stuff that becomes part of their identity, such as I'm not a morning person. I am lazy. I'm not ambitious. Um, what else? I just don't, uh, I just don't like exercise. I'm just not that type of person. I don't know. I feel like people form these narratives that are often slightly negative, but also become part of their identity in a sort of resigned 
but that's just how I am. I'm a big procrastinator. That's another one I hear quite yes. a lot. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you've just, yeah, you've just nailed everything on the head because anything that comes after I am is an identity statement. This is so important to remember, okay? And this is gonna help with, with your self-talk actually. If you're someone that's like, okay, how do I shift my self-talk? To really shift your self-talk, and this ties into what you're saying, Tiffany, to really shift your self-talk, you need to actually first be aware of what it is, right? And that's so easy to do. Just start paying attention to the things that you say. But anything that you say after I am is an identity statement. And that feeds right back into your beliefs. Again, your beliefs run everything. They run the fucking show. Okay, your beliefs run everything. So anything that you're saying after I am, you're, you're literally imprint, imprinting that into your mind. And that really does shift your neural pathways as well. So that means that your way of thinking starts to become automated. So you do have things exactly as you were saying, I am lazy. Um, I'm not good with technology is another very good one, right? Is another... <laughs> It's not a good one. It's another one that people tend to say quite a lot. Or I'm not a morning person is huge. That was one of mine as well. And because I had that, for example, with I am not a morning person, it meant that every time that I tried to wake up in the morning, any time that I tried to do the strategic things like um, saying, okay, from tomorrow, I'm going to start waking up at seven. And, you know, I would set my alarm or alarms Anytime that I even did wake up at that time, it just didn't feel good. It didn't feel good at all. Why? Because I have made a decision on an identity level that I am not a morning person, which meant that even if I tried to put the best morning strategies on top of that belief, that it was just misaligned the whole time. So if you have people that say, oh, I'm just not good with technology, most of the time they've never actually tried to be or they haven't been patient with themselves enough so that that can actually change. But it's become such a firm belief. It's become such a big part of their identity that regardless of what they try, they might find that everything still ends up taking long. That even if they have all the instructions right there in front of them on that computer or phone or iPad or whatever, they will always find a way to make it take longer because they have to fulfill that belief. So it is so important. And this, this isn't just a um, what some people might co call uh, kind of woo-woo things, right? It's really not. This is scientific on a brain level. Your words really do influence what you believe about yourself and that does determine what your actions will be. So if you go around the world saying, oh, I'm so clumsy, right? Because maybe someone in the past told you that you were clumsy, and you decided that was the truth about you, now you find yourself being clumsy, even when you don't mean to be, or you find, or it, it, yeah, it's, oh my goodness. So anything that comes after, I am is an identity statement. And that can, once you become very aware of that, you can start to notice that and shift that. I am in love with that response. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and <laughs> I think that's going to be a real game changer for a lot of our listeners. And mm. I think that they, um, will certainly hopefully go away and maybe think about 
some of the different statements we tell ourselves with regards to our identity and how they can be holding us back from achieving what we'd like to achieve. Mm. Um, but we we do like to end on a practical note. Um, yes. I feel like you've given us an army of exercises and tools. So um, mm-hmm. we, there's already lots of amazing takeaways for our listeners, but what is the one thing that our listeners could perhaps do right now to take a little step towards fulfilling their ambitions, whatever that may be? Mm. What's one little step they can take? Um, you know what? I'm going to give you another language. It's going to be another language shift, right? And it relates to what we just spoke about. And the reason why I'm just going to give this little thing is because I believe that um, the tiny little actions can make the biggest difference. Because sometimes if you give a huge action, which sounds amazing in the moment because you feel inspired and motivated, it can easily just not happen. So I'm going to give a tiny little practical point based on what we just spoke about in terms of the I am statements and the fact that it, it becomes part of your identity something that I have found so useful, which you can literally start doing from now, because chances are you're going to be saying I am either today or tomorrow or the next day, is instead of, for for example, saying I am a perfectionist, you can say something along the lines of I experience perfectionism, which then completely shifts the whole thing, because now you're not putting this weight onto yourself and onto your identity you're making it more objective, right? So it's something you experience, it is not you. And that makes room for you to actually be able to change that. So instead, there will be, of course, you have to be kind of um, be aware of exactly what you're trying to say and make sure the context is right. But most of the time, just by saying, this is something that I experience, it's not who I am, that makes room for change to actually happen. And that already changes your way of thinking. So I would say that's a little practical tool that I can that I can leave you with and it's tied to your language. Just start to think of where you can say, actually, this is not who I am. This is just something I experience and try adding that into your language. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Africa. This has been, for me anyway, an absolutely game-changing conversation and I'm excited mm. to put all your tips um, further into practice um where where can people find you on the internet for more of your goodness of course of course and thank you so much thank you that's so kind of you thank you and you can find me the only social media that i have at this time is instagram so you can find me at africa brook and if you are someone that is curious about the world of coaching and you want to be a coach you want to know more about it there is also an instagram page for my group coaching program and that is the expansion group. Okay, so you can find that on Instagram as well. Correction, that is the expansion program on Instagram. And you can also just find me at my website. So that's www.africabrook.com. And you can always send me a message and email if you want to ask me anything specific. Wonderful. And we'll put all of those details in the show notes. So thank you so much and Mm. really appreciate you taking the time. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
My gosh, what a brilliant interview that was. First of all, well done, Tiffany, for the first solo interview of the podcast. And what an honor that was for me just to listen in to the conversation. It was really amazing, actually, to get to be... Obviously, I listened to our own interviews after we record them and we kind of go back over them but to actually be able to listen to it happening live was just it was a very special experience actually and I I absolutely loved it thought the kind of conversation between the two of you was just really brilliant everything that was talked about in terms of mindset and beliefs it was just I mean I'm looking at I've scribbled two pages of notes um I I almost feel like we could make a whole other hour-long podcast just talking about that interview Yes, I adored it. And I also have made so many notes about um, that four-step process around what beliefs you have and what you want. And and, and like, and it's that thing that about being, having the confidence to almost acknowledge what you want and, and, and taking the time to reframe your mindset so you can go out and get it, I find really exciting. I think it's so important to do that work around understanding what your beliefs are because as Africa laid out it all starts with our beliefs which then inform our thoughts and our feelings and then result in either our action or inaction in one direction or another whether that's towards the thing that you're trying to achieve or actively away from it and it's really interesting because I do think and I'm I'm really glad this kind of came up at some point in the conversation that of course there are structural problems around us that do make even being able to assert what your beliefs are quite challenging or even to do that self-reflection. And this is not easy work as Africa herself said, you know, in the, um, in your guys's chat, but it's nonetheless very important. And it's something that you kind of chip away at slowly and you start thinking about, and it can even just be, you know, coming across an interview like this and hearing someone like Africa talk about these things. And that starts to plant a seed that, oh, actually maybe my problem with, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking about something that I hear a lot from freelancers in regards um, to money is how they, lots of them struggle to negotiate higher rates or um, attract quote unquote, better paying clients when the, and the problem is very often presented as, you know, it's, there's some, it's either the clients don't have enough money or the, you know, there's all these things going on, but very often it actually starts with the idea that somewhere deep inside, there is a belief that I am not someone who can negotiate. I am not a high earning freelancer. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the personality trait of a successful business person. Um, and it takes a lot of time to kind of unpack that and get get to what those limiting beliefs are. Yeah, and I'm excited to go and do that work. So thank you so much to Africa again and more from us next week. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. You are listening to Is This Working? Hosted by Anna Cogerado and Tiffany Philippou. Produced by Chris Bannister. Continue the conversation with us over on Twitter at isthisworking underscore show.